0: A difference to make a difference in my hometown, yeah. and here we are at Arena Church. Yeah. A prayer answered for such a time as this. Yeah. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the theme of stand, stand, stand firm, stand still, and tonight, stand together. Yeah. And to be asked to share on this theme on this Sunday. The 11th of the 11th, Remembrance Sunday, when churches and family and people around this country remember the sacrifice of hundreds of thousands of men and women who stood together. During the First and Second World Wars, the Falklands, Iraq, Afghanistan, just to name a few places, they stood together to make... A difference. On September the 11th. 1940. During the battle of Britain. Winston Churchill made a live broadcast. To London. And it was titled every man to his post. And during this speech. He said these words. This. Is a time. For everyone. To stand together. And hold firm. I'm not sure if he took those words direct from the book of the Philippians, which Liz just read out. But I believe those words spoken are as true and as necessary today as they were when they were written in the Bible and as they were when they were quoted by Winston Churchill. And you may say, well, we're not in a battle. We're not at war. I'll say, well, wake up. We are in a daily battle. We are in a battle for the lives of our children, our families, our neighbours, our work colleagues, for the lost and homeless. Because there is a relentless enemy trying to destroy God's creation. And we need to stand together like never before. Now I want to try and explain to you what I believe it means to stand together. Because I'm sure if I ask everyone to write down, what does it mean to you to stand together together? everyone would write something slightly different. So I'm going to try and explain what I believe it means to stand together. And to do this, I'm going to um, use an example from the natural world, something that I was taught in the natural to hopefully explain to you something in the, in the spiritual. Okay? So you know how Jesus taught, for example, words like sheep talked a lot about sheep and I am the good shepherd and he talked about fish. I'm going to make the fishes of men. He talked about seed, faith as small as a mustard seed. He talked about the sower. He used the things of the world that people could see and relate to to teach them kingdom principles and dynamics. So I want to build a, a mental framework, as it were, a skeleton, so that uh, to show you something that I've learned in this world that hopefully... Exemplifies many kingdom dynamics and principles. Please understand that this is just an example. I, I don't want you switching off and saying he's not preaching from t- word at God, so he's heretic. I'm not going to listen to him. I, I'm showing you an example first, and then I will bring the word of God in later to, to, to build up the skeleton, to put muscle and sinew on this picture. Okay? Now, to do this, I need some volunteers. I'm going to have to move this right out here because I'm going to have to get some uh, volunteers. And I've asked one or two people if they'd be willing to help me. So if I've asked you, uh, you would, be, would you come out now, please? And Kevin, I'd like you to stand at this end, please. And then Peter there. Josh. Annie, would you come stand there? Glenys, would you come stand over here, please? And and can you just put your arms out and just stand with your fingertips touching each other? So spread out. Now, I have worked in the police service for 38 years. I was 12 when I joined. Uh, And and, and I'm using an example from my... You can put your arms down now. Put, put, Put your arms behind your back like that. That's it. Both of them. Well, I can't put both of them around behind my back because they'll wake be me up too. And then I just want you to go, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, that's it, right. Well, I'm going to teach you something that I've learnt in public order. So these now are the riot police. <laughs> and can you imagine that these people are perhaps stood together like this, on ceremonial duties. So the queen's visit, or something like that. So they are there looking out, facing potential hostiles. They look quite hostile, don't they? (laughs) And so they're waiting there to respond to something that might happen. Now, in a spiritual sense, can you imagine this as a church? And here we've got people who are stood together who perhaps worship together, have reasonable fellowship together. They get on okay. People find it quite easy to enter this church because nothing is really expected of them. And initially, they get their needs met. But there's no real growth there. The more committed ones may even say that we are standing together. But in reality, they're standing in their own small little space in their own little world, in their own small experience. And I would argue that they are, although they are facing potential enemy, they are not really aware of his tactics. They may have heard preaching about standing in the gap. But the majority of the church believes that's the pastor's job. That's what he does. He protects the flock. And the majority of the church believe that the pastor should go around saying... Oh you're, right there. oh, you're having trouble at work? Oh, dear, let me just stamp on those fiery darts. Yeah, oh, I can't stop one because somebody over here needs me. Oh, you have, you're having trouble with the family? Oh, yeah. oh, dear, let me stamp on those fire. And it's like fire brigade pastoring. And the pastor, whilst he's doing this, never has the opportunity or the time to develop any kind of worthwhile vision or purpose or direction for the church. And there's no need for them to be standing on guard because there's not going to be a full frontal attack because the enemy, Satan, is more subtle than that. What he does is come in between the gap. And he says, uh, you're right, what are you doing at this church? I mean, look at them. They don't really know you, do they? How many people have invited you around for a meal or even a coffee? They don't really know your name." Why are you bothering with these? Hmm. I bet even if you didn't turn up for a week or even a fortnight, nobody would even know you're missing. What kind of church is that? Go and sit down. needn't even bother. And that's what happens in churches throughout this country. People. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. And so what happens? The church has to spread out. So the gaps get wider. The numbers go down. It says in the word of God, where there is no vision, the people perish. So the church loses its effectiveness. The gaps start to appear. People drift away. The line gets stretched further. And sadly, the church Dies. Or a new leader comes along and says, Come on, guys, we've really got to get a grip with this. Link arms. Come on, guys, link arms. That's it. Now we're really stood together. And you may have seen this example, and we're going to go behind here. You may have seen this example where um, the Beatles have visited, and there's been thousands of screaming young kids. Or um, David Cassidy. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know who David Cassidy is now? Jo- Justin Bieber. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. So there's thousands of screaming kids. And the police are trying to hold them back. And there's a pressure there. And, and, and they're trying to break through, but the, they are holding firm. They are standing together. And so it looks as though this is a good church. It may have a mother and toddlers group. It may uh, put on meals for the elderly or food bank. And it prays for revival in the community. But the church has become static. It has become program driven. That everything revolves around the church and the church expects the community to come to them rather than the church going out into the community. This church may be standing together and it may have prayed for God to do a miraculous work. And we heard Phil preach last week about standing still and seeing God win the victory. And I believe there are churches who are still stood still. And 10, 15, 20 years ago, God won them the victory but they've never moved into the enemy's camp to take back that which he stole from them. And so we see some churches standing still when they should be moving out. And they miss out from God's provision. So they miss out from moving from a good church to a great church. And this model of standing together has only limited effectiveness, its back is to the enemy. They feel the pressure, but they don't really see what is happening. And then all of a sudden, Satan, the darkness of powers, start to come and says, right, I'm going to be specific about the attack. And he will pinpoint a person, a worship leader or a, uh, 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 an emerging leader, and he will put all this pressure on that one person. And he comes along here and he breaks in, this, in the physical. If you've got a broken arm, you become ineffective. And in the spiritual, if an emerging leader becomes broken in a spiritual sense, as it were, all hell breaks loose. And all of a sudden you get church splits, church divides. Church loses its effectiveness again. Okay, guys, can you just drop your hands? I want to show you a third way. I want to show you... Now, this is called trudging and wedging. <laughs> trudging and wedging. And what I want you to do, I want everybody to face that way. And I want, with your left arm, to get, put that left arm around the waist of the person in front. So, but, yeah. So that there's no gaps. Because I'm going to try and break through this line. So you've got your right hand free, hopefully. So this is to protect yourself from attack so you can push me away. Or, or, or normally, you'd say, stand back. <laughs> but, but what happens as well, if anybody tries to push in, it's not just you I'm attacking, because you are protecting him. And what happens is that you would pull the person down the line. So if I start to attack here, everybody would pull me further and further down the line until in the natural world there would be arrest squads or or snatch squads or whatever. But here we've got a position of strength. We've got, in the natural, a very strong position. They don't feel isolated. They are collective strength. There's a synergy here that makes this example feel so strong. They have an arm free to protect themselves and their colleagues. Now, I've been in this formation during the, minus, during the sad times of the miners' strike. I mean, whatever you thought about the political scenario, it was sad times for lots of communities. And I was, I've been in this position as a police officer, four deep. So there was four lines this way, then a further four lines, and we moved in an arrow formation. So as the, the crowd was there... We moved in like an arrow formation. The leaders, the superintendents in charge, were in the middle of this line. They weren't in the firing line, as it were. They were in the middle, directing the direction of the arrowhead. So the arrowhead started to break through the crowd and then move them to the side of the road. So here here we have a picture of an arrowhead formation. Can you picture... This in the spiritual sense. A church that stands together like this. A church that has broken through the initial embarrassment of getting close together. That's why I've stood you like that. So you weren't embarrassed. But initial embarrassment of getting intimate and close together. A church that has put petty differences aside. A church that is equipped with the holy armour of God. The helmet of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shoes of readiness to spread the gospel, and the shield of faith. Can you imagine a church equipped, a tongue-speaking, word-wielding church? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world we are more than conquerors through him who first loved us. A togetherness that stands the attack of the enemy. You see, in the natural, if I were in the natural looking how to break into this um, line, I'd perhaps, uh, I'd perhaps choose this elder person. Le- Laughter less, Less strength, less agile. So I would perhaps focus my attention on this elder person rather than this young, strong, vital person. But in the spiritual sense, in the spiritual sense, I know that this is a prayer warrior. I know that she has prayed and prayed. She has prayed on her knees and wept for her family, for her friends, for her colleagues. And I've seen prayers answered. So in the spiritual sense, I'm not going to attack her. I don't relish tangling with her. She's a prayer warrior. However, this is a young person. And although she's vital and passionate and got energy, she may not have that spiritual maturity to withstand a prolonged attack. But when they stand together, when you've got the energy and passion and drive together with the maturity and wisdom, where do, you, where do you attack? There is no weak point. So this is a position of strength. So when we stand together, when the passion and energy stands next to experience, there is no weak point to press home the attack. Satan, you want our leaders? You want our church leaders, you've got to come through us first. You want our families, our children, you've got to come through us first. You want the lost and the homeless, you've got to come through us first. You want the drug addicts and the lost and the homeless and people in Mansfield, you've got to come through us first. You see, in this model, we have a church that understands the ways of the enemy, that faces up to the physical and spiritual challenges ahead standing firm on the word of God on the promises of God willing to stand still to see God do the miraculous and then we start trudging right this is the best bit with your left foot, foot first forward you just take very small steps and go one, two one, two, very small steps that's it, that's it okay and you, Okay, hold it there, guys. Trudging away, it was awful, really. (laughs) But they do. They need some training in that, you see. But that's what happens. You start moving forward, but you only take small steps because of the hail of broken bottles and bricks that come your way. The bottles of broken dreams. The shattered lives that you don't want to trip over. But you're going into the enemy's camp. A church that is trudging step by step, prayer by prayer, day by day, trudging through all this rubble to get into the provision of God. A church moving forward. A church united by purpose. A church mobilized by vision. A church motivated by compassion. And here we are, the church praising God, moving into the enemy, enemies come. Okay, guys, thanks so much. You can sit down now. Thank you. So here we have a church that is going to win the victory step by step that Jesus has already won for us. Now I can imagine already that the father of lies has started whispering to one or two of you already, saying, Oh, I couldn't do that. You can't do that. You're not experienced enough. You don't know anyone well enough. How can you stand together like that? You don't know the Bible. You don't even pray that much. Well, let me tell you you don't need to know the Bible or be experienced in prayer. You just have to be available. The great thing about standing together is that people around you want to help you in your personal walk of faith. But sometimes you you do have to be intentional. You need to look out for that help. That's why the church puts on events on Saturday mornings or Tuesday nights at Connect Group. It's so that we can learn how to stand together. But if you never go to any of the meetings, you never meet People. You never break through the initial shyness or embarrassment. So I just want to give you three points. Three pointers of standing together. And they're from Philippians 4, 1 to 7. So if you've got that in your Bible and you want to turn to it, please do. Therefore, my beloved, and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euda, and I implore Sintik to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement, and also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Unity is vital in standing together. There was obviously something going on between two ladies in the church. I don't mean to be rude, but there usually is. You you cannot get a group of people from different backgrounds, with different life experiences, and not expect any conflict. If you are in a church where they say, everybody loves everybody here, there's no conflict at all, I don't believe them. I don't believe them because we are made to think differently. So here we have an obvious difference of opinion, a misunderstanding leading to disagreement. Now, Paul, who wrote this, knew the heartache caused by misunderstandings. He had a personal experience of it. His stubbornness had caused a break with his friend, Barnabas. But Paul, in this letter, doesn't condemn the two ladies who found themselves at odds with each other. He doesn't take them by the scruff of the neck and shake them and say, get your act together. Come on, you're meant to be Christians. No, he pleads with them that they be of the same mind and ask the church to help them. You know, when we stand together, we need to be lion-hearted when we're facing the enemy. We need to be aggressive in prayer when we are facing the enemy. We even need to be violent people in prayer when we're facing the enemy. But when we are meeting with each other, we need to be as gentle as lambs. We need to be humble, thoughtful, understanding, displaying the fruit of the Spirit. You know, sometimes it is okay to have a difference of opinion. We are not meant to always think the same. But it's how we deal with the differences that makes the difference. Someone expressed it like this. said so it's like driving down the M25. The orbital ring road around London. Four lanes of traffic when they're moving. You've got the slow lane. And then you've got the fast lane. Some people like to go in the slow lane. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I have a different opinion. I like to go in the fast lane. But as long as we're all going in the same direction, the difference doesn't make any difference. As long as we are facing the same way, as long as we are heading towards Jesus Christ, as long as we are going towards Christ and looking towards him to change us, the difference makes no difference unless you're going the wrong way. And you're facing four lanes of traffic coming towards you. And if that happens, I suggest you stop and turn around. And go back the way that everybody else is. See, Christ isn't trying to make us uniform in everything that we do. But he wants unity. He wants us to be together. To work through our differences. So unity, not uniformity, is vital in standing together. Point two. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Um, I forgot to nod. Who am I nodding to? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that this is really significant. <laughs> that Paul, just after mentioning, thank you. Thank you, my able assistants. I think this is really significant that Paul, just after mentioning the conflict between between two women, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. We always find it reasonably easy to rejoice in the Lord when things are going good. When you just got promotion, oh rejoice in the Lord. Oh, when you've just won the lottery, oh rejoice in the Lord. When things are going well for us, Amen. <laughs> I often say to the Lord, oh, Lord, just let me win the lottery. I'll do so much more with the money. And he said, I'll meet you halfway, buy a ticket. But but it's not easy when things are going bad, is it? Okay. Let me just give you an example. What do you see? I feel like, um, what's his name? Roy Walker on catchphrase. Say, what do you see? Say what you say. Say what you say. Say what you see. Say what you see. What You see a dot? Okay. What do you see now? Three dots. Okay. If I said that these three dots are the circumstances in your life, the problems that you're having, I don't know what those circumstances are, but they may be really bad circumstances. But if these circumstances... These dots represent your circumstances, and this white, huge piece of paper represents God's love, God's mercy, God's vision, God's purpose, God's everything, vastness. We often look at the small dots and forget to see how big our God is. So sometimes our focus is on the circumstances around us rather than on the vastness of God's love and to stand together we need to keep focused on Christ keep focused on the vision then our differences our circumstances become less important because we begin to see the bigger picture we begin to see God's kingdom thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so unity focus and lastly the presence of God Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, we can have great plans and ambitions. We can train ourselves to to quote the Bible. We can buy buildings and hold meetings, but unless Christ is present... Unless God is present, what's it all about? You know, there are many people who stand together. I was stood with my mates on Saturday at this football ground. People stand together at sporting arenas. People meet together at bowls clubs or knitting circles or whatever kind kind of club where they enjoy friendship or fellowship and they look out for each other and help each other. But as Christians... We should expect more. When we go through anxious times, and everyone does, it's hard not to be anxious, to be fearful at times. And sometimes when we receive bad news, a letter from the doctor perhaps saying that, um, you know, uh, something has shown up so you need to go for more tests, or, or your partner says those words, I just need a little bit more space. Or an office meeting is scheduled to talk about redundancy. Or whatever Whatever bad news, the threat, even the threat of bad news can cause a disturbance in the pit of our stomach. Our heart lurches. A darkness of fear begins to form. Tentacles of fear rise up and gag in our throat. And we often find it difficult to talk about it. And very often, we don't have anyone to talk about it. And very often, we have a sense of powerlessness. And This is when we need to stand together in unity, focused on God, not the circumstances that surround us. And then allow the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Why does the peace of God surpass all understanding? Well, it's because when we keep focused on God, when we place our problems in his hands and begin to realize how great is our God, how big is our God, And even through, though our circumstances don't appear to have changed that much, we know that he that is faithful will never leave us or forsake us. And so our perspective changes. And whilst we may still have to walk through dark times, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, walks at our side and illuminates our path. When we dare to say, the doctor May have told me that I have a brain tumor or heart disease or cancer, but whilst there is breath in my body, I want to stand together and snatch back from the gates of hell just one more person before I go to meet our Lord and Maker. The peace of God. Question. Question for you Are we a people that want to stand together in unity? Putting our different opinions to one side for the greater good. A people focused on Christ, not on our circumstances. A people expectant of his presence. So that standing together, united in purpose, mobilized by vision, motivated by compassion, we can take this town of Mansfield for Christ's sake. Are we? Well, let us pray.